you wrote a book pretty darn early in your adult career or your adulthood at the age of 23. Now, I gotta be honest with you. That's kind of amazing to me because <laughs> my first book didn't come out till I was 50 plus. I'm not gonna go into details on the age, sorry. But let's just say twice as old as you were when you came out with your first one. What drove you to write a book at that relatively tender age? Powerful question. I actually wrote a book at the age of 23 because I was attending a Toastmasters meeting and this young guy named Daniel Alley came to give a presentation, You Are the Boss. And since he was about a good two years older than me, he was like, I think he was 23 and I was 21 at the time. He sold his books after the presentation was over. I bought the books to support the board. I'm like, hey, fellow young guy giving us giving out speeches. I'm like, let me support a brother giving, trying to bring some positivity in the world. As I was reading through the wonderful page turner he wrote, he was writing about the same things I was reading about. And lo and behold, hire him as a coach. Later down the road, I do an activity where I write my own personal obituary. And in that obituary, I mentioned that I was a best-selling author of multiple books. Well, a few months down the road after that activity, the door was right there, the door of opportunity to make that dream come true. Because I was networking with people and I was handing out these wonderful reading lists to people called the 100 Books Are Dynamic Living instead of business cards because I'm pretty sure you know business cards, they either end up in the trash or forgotten. So I handed out reading lists. And plus, if there's books in there that they've read too, I have a new reading buddy. And one lady I handed the list out to, she looked at the list, looked right back at me, looked at the list, looked right back at me, and asked me, where is my name on this list as an author? I'm like, I'm 20 freaking two at the time. Like, I ain't gonna, what the heck am I gonna write about? And she's like, you know what? How about a year from today become a published author? I'm like, lady, you are crazy. I'm not doing it. Okay, how about we both become published authors a year from today? And I'm like, nope, not doing it. And a few days later, got into a Toastmasters meeting, did a Q&A part of my presentation, and a buddy who I told about that encounter to asked me, when the heck was my book gonna be published? And I'm like, man, my talk had nothing to do about writing a book, yet this guy right here put my feet to the fire. I said, a year from today, going to write my book. And then the book was published going north after running home, scared because darn, my feet was put to the fire, for 10 pages of raw content, and then put myself on the schedule to get at least two pages done every other weekend, if not every weekend, until up to that point. Well, I tell you... Do not underestimate the power of an example and the power of a challenge that someone basically double dog dares you to do. Because I like you, same thing. I never considered myself an author. You know, I even in advertising and marketing, I was kind of a sprinter. Short headlines, short body copy, get it done, get it out, move on to different things. I mean, I'd write for four different clients in an individual day because I like that kind of gadfly hopping from around the kitchen you know i'm on a banana then i'm over on some bologna then i'm over here on some <laughs> some bread you know just hopping because that's the way my brain works and i never consider myself a book length author a writer of a book length thing i'm like i don't know if i could ever do that but the funny thing is people around me would say, you know what, you need to write that down. And I'm like, write what down? He said, what you just said. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean what I just said? I said, no, you, 
you're sharing valuable information. You're telling great stories. You're inspiring me just by listening to you to want to do more. Write that stuff down. Put it in a book so people can have it, so you can remember it, so you can share it with a whole lot of other people. And that kind of sat in my brain for another 10 years. But I saw somebody at a conference, a friend of mine, who had just come out with a new book, and I had already written one book with a co-author, and I wasn't going to write another book. I wasn't going to do my own book. And then I saw her with a brand new book, and it's just like walking down the street and seeing a friend of yours with a brand new baby. <sighs> if you love children and you see that brand new baby, you're going to get jealous, you're going to start thinking, and one of the things you won't remember is how much pain that first child bringing into the world <laughs> caused. So instead, you start going, yeah, I could do this. Especially when you do what you did, which was, I'm not going to bite this all at once. I'm not going to, I'm going to take a little bite out of the elephant by giving myself a goal. I'll write two pages every weekend. Okay, that's doable, right? I'm, I'm guessing some weekends were, well, I only got one done. But others were, actually, I got six. Because once you're on a roll, it gets better and easier. But none of this would have happened were you not challenged by somebody who was willing to challenge themselves. I love the fact that she said, why don't we both have a book in a year? That is the best type of challenge. It's challenge, but it's also holding hands. Let's jump off the cliff together. I think that's really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Cooler than two cucumbers. Yeah. Well, exactly. So what is Going North about? Ah, great question. Going North is about really taking yourself to your next level, developing a positive mental attitude that's rock solid, realizing that life is customer service, like taking really all the stuff that I've actually applied in my own life into a small package under 100 pages because the other thing too about the book itself is the fact that it's small because i had a deadline to make for one and two there people have a small attention spans these days i think the goldfish have us beat still in terms of attention span and it's really just the stuff that i've actually done in my own life that has worked for me and heck even with this wonderful podcast being the non-fiction brand and it being a non-fiction book i have to make sure i'm the non-fiction author that's really putting this real genuine message out there by putting the stuff that I truly believe in. Because I can't be out there teaching stuff that I truly don't believe in myself. That's really what that book is about. So if you want to read the book, that'll encourage you to write and publish your own book. This is definitely the book to pick up. And if you don't want to read it, I actually read it too. It's available on Audible. So if you put down the Reese's Cup, you can probably buy it for like $4.87 yeah. <laughs> on Audible. Well, exactly. And so, so once again, that's, you're a writer, you're a podcaster. Now the podcaster is doing the live read of the book you wrote. This is what I mean by force multiplication. You've developed a skill set via podcasting. You've developed content via writing. And now you bring them both together to create another piece of content that allows people to find you where they want to find you. You know, one of the big reasons podcasting took off is because people realize that Top 40 Radio is pretty bad and I'm sick of talk shows that are too political or it's either sports or politics. Mm -hmm. I don't want either of those. 
I want something that's going to uh, inspire me, to give me some life-affirming goals and tools, tips, hints, and tricks. I just want to, at the end of my 20-minute commute, or whatever it happens to be, I want to feel like I got something out of that commute. It wasn't wasted time. It was an opportunity to check in with smart people about smart topics that can make me a smarter person. And by the way, with the exception of a few, podcasts are free. In an age where everything costs something, the only thing you have to pay for with a lot of podcasts is you have to listen to a few ads. And frankly, if you've got the right podcast application, you can bop past those really easily just by fast forwarding a little bit. So why wouldn't you listen to a podcast over repetitive garbage radio? You have been taking that foundation that you received via books and the library and continually building, building, building. When did you decide to join Toastmasters? Now, I've got a fair number of listeners who are outside of the U.S., so I, uh, give us a quick explanation of what Toastmasters is. Yep, sure thing. So Toastmasters International is this wonderful nonprofit organization. It's probably about, my goodness, it's close to 100 years old now. I think like 1900s it came about. And I joined because I was listening to one of Brian Tracy's audiobook programs, and at the end, it mentioned Toastmasters International. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. Like, this is this sounds cool. Like, what do they do? Do they talk about, like, keeping bread warm and maybe pulling out bottles of wine, whether it's red or white? And I'm like, oh, wait, they don't do that. They actually help you to become a better speaker, and if you so choose, a better leader. And I actually joined a club because I actually needed to network with other people and hopefully secure a speaker for a public speaking seminar I was doing at my church at the time. And after that seminar went off with a success, after securing a speaker, I decided to stay. And that was around 2013 when I joined all that year. And I'm still a member today, eight years later. Amazingly so, because Toastmaster International is one of those places where the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. We probably wouldn't even be on this podcast together if I didn't join Toastmasters back then, because back to my earlier story, the lady who challenged me and wanted to join me, she too was a Toastmaster. So you'll get a, you'll be in a nice environment if you join Toastmasters because everybody there wants to grow and become better. So it's part public speaking, how to, you know, how to become a, a more confident speaker, but it's also about meeting people who are like you, that, that want to excel, that want to be continually challenging themselves, making themselves better. I mean, so much of life, we're surrounded by negativity until you find the right group. And it's like you walk in and no negativity is allowed. Instead, it's, it's all about helping each other out. It's about lifting each other up. It's about encouragement. And, and that doesn't mean there's not some critique involved because you don't get better if you don't get coaching. But the best coaches inspire as much more so then they critique, and even their critiques can t turn into truly inspirational stuff. And uh, no, I, I, I totally get that. And it's, it's very cool that you've stayed involved, but would you consider yourself a better podcaster because you did Toastmasters 
first or how did how did that work out? Which came first, Toastmasters or the podcast? Oh, definitely Toastmasters, because the thing about Toastmasters, especially if you stay there for a while, you eventually have to take on a role called Toastmaster of the Day, where you're introducing the speakers for the evening. You're basically the MC of the evening. And part of podcasting, if you do a guest show like you're doing today, DP, like you're going to have to really bring the energy and know how to introduce people. So I'd say the Toastmasters came first and made me a better podcast because not only catching filler words like crazy, but also being able to bring my personality and introduce people and bring in energy to what that folks need and love to hear because you don't want to listen to somebody born. It's like, oh yeah, let's read this whole entire biography. Like they were born in 192 and are still alive somehow. Like don't want to do that. Like actually introducing somebody like you did earlier today, man. So definitely Toastmaster may be a better podcaster. That's the real value of something like that. It allows you to get your feet wet and then your ankles and then your knees and then full body immersion. And it happens so gradually over time. And the thing that you haven't necessarily talked about directly is that the entire time you're watching people do it, you are seeing other people do it. And over time, your eye and your ear starts getting attuned to, oh, you know what, that probably shouldn't have said it that way, or yeah, I think this is going on too long. And you're honing your taste, your quality, and you may not even know it, but you're becoming better almost osmotically. Literally, if you see someone speak and all they're doing is that drunken sailor thing of shifting their body weight from one foot to the other, you're going to, after two minutes, go, oh, don't ever do that. You've seen someone making the mistakes you don't want to repeat. Consequently, so you, when you get to that Toastmaster of the Day thing, you've seen some of the best Toastmasters of the Day. You've seen some of the worst Toastmasters of the Day. And you know the difference. And the first time you do it may not be the best, but you're well on your way because you have started developing what musicians would call an ear. Because, uh, again, musicians... Music doesn't exist on a page. Printed notes exist on a page. Music happens in the air. And right now on Netflix, uh, no, it's on Apple Plus. No, it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's Disney Plus. The um, Get Back documentary about the Beatles when they did their Let It Be album is on. You see these guys. They are noodling around. They're trying everything. They're, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. But they've developed their ears to the point where they know what good is. And when you see, and one of the scenes in it is really special if you like the Beatles, Paul McCartney is messing around and he starts doing the chord structure loosely of Get Back, one of their big hits, one of their many big hits, right? And, but you can see him, literally, his brain is noodling around and finding it until all of a sudden, boom, you hear the actual chord progression of Get Back. And then he starts working on the words to go with the chord progression. It's, his mind has said, okay, this is the chord progression. Now, what is the song? Jojo, Jojo down in Tucson, Arizona. And it's fascinating. He could not have done that had he not developed his ear 
over years playing in Hamburg with the original Beatles for, I think they did something like eight hours a night playing songs and playing with each other. They could become the Beatles because that's where they became the Beatles. They did the work. They did the woodshedding. And, you know, it sounds to me like that's exactly what you got out of Toastmasters, which was you got the venue, the opportunity, you got the ability to watch others for good, bad, and ugly. You decided to keep the good stuff and try to get rid of the bad and ugly stuff. And now you've gotten to the point where you're a veteran podcaster who has a platform that you can invite people on that can allow them to extend your messages, your personal brand beautifully. And again, so what comes first? I think the thing that comes first is the desire to become better than you currently are. Am I right on that? I see you shaking your head. Amen to that. Heck, that's probably wise to think and grow rich. I think that's the first chapter desire, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much so. It's the desire. Here's the thing. I, and I've seen this in my life too. The persistent people achieve, not the most talented. Mm-hmm. It's so great talking with you, Dom, about this because I feel a kindred spirit. Have you ever heard of the psychological term, the rate breaker? There was a, uh, a pretty famous, I don't know if it's sociological experiment or psychological experiment, but I think it was sociological, where, uh, long story short, an assembly line. A sociologist wants to study the way the society that develops around an assembly line works. They have uh, 10 units that have to be made per person, a quota of 10 units of whatever it is. Let's say 10 toasters. You have to assemble 10 toasters per hour. And so he uh, gets someone, puts them on the line, but they've trained him up so he can make 12 toasters per hour. And so he goes, uh, that guy starts making 12 toasters an hour. Everybody else is doing 10 an hour. What happens? That person who's breaking the rate doesn't have anyone to sit with at lunch. No one talks to them. Everyone kind of mm. don't like him very much. The next <laughs> week, purposely, they slow him down so he can only do eight toasters per hour. What happens then? Everybody likes him. They sit with him at lunch. They invite him for drinks after work. You know, all that stuff. Why? Because he's not breaking the accepted rate for everyone around them. I say this as a long-winded explanation for, I'm guessing that you and I share the same desire to break our own rates, to constantly make not just 12 toasters an hour, but 15. And not just make toasters, but let's, let's make more challenging, more interesting things, more fulfilling stuff. If you surround yourself with rate breakers, like Toastmasters does, you're going to be inspired to continue to develop your ability to break those rates wherever you go. And again, this is not about being uh, better than anyone else or whatever. It's no, no, no. It's not about you. It's about me. I want to be the best me possible. At the same time, I'm going to help you be the best you possible because by making you better, I'll become better. If I can teach, I become a better learner. If I become a better learner, I become a better teacher. 
I don't know about you, Dom, but I, I think that's probably describing you quite a bit too, right? Oh, I agree. My man's preaching, baby. Yeah, well, that's what I like to do, you know. And it's not a surprise to anybody who knows my upbringing. I was a pastor's kid a uh, long, long time ago. So let me tell you, it's, it's been a real treat to have Dom Brightman on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. And again, I want to give you the opportunity to invite people to listen to your podcast and also read your books. What all do you have out there? Because as far as I can tell, you've got a lot going on, my friend. Oh, yeah. A lot going on and more to come indeed. Uh, funny enough, my mantra for 2022 is go the distance. So let's see how far I can go the distance this year. And for those who want to keep in touch with yours truly and see how far I can go, head over to dombrightman.com and got about three books out there. There's Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself. Then there's the follow-up book, Stay the Course, The Elite Performer's Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success. And of course, the third book is a multi-author collaborative book called Crappy to Happy. Sacred Stories of Transformational Joy, and you can find the information for all three of those books on DomBrightman.com, and be sure to subscribe to the Going North podcast, especially when yours truly gets returned a favor for DP and have him on the Going North podcast as well. This is going to be fun on the butt. And let me tell you, as two people on this podcast will currently attest, podcasts are such a great way to get yourself out of so many different things, out of your comfort zone out of your box, and out into the world. So take advantage of such things and take a look at, at matching services like Podmatch. You can find that at podmatch.com. By the way, they don't pay me, but then again, I don't pay them. So I'm giving back to them. <laughs> That's right. They're giving me a, a lot of great free service, so I'm going to give them a lot of great free promotion. Podmatch.com. That's Alex Sanfilippo's really great website. If you need to find only one place to go to get yourself on podcasts, let me recommend podmatch.com. All right, that's it for this week on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. With me today is the lovely and talented Dom Brightman, but I want him to say that himself. So I'm going to restart my wrap-up of this podcast by saying... Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. As always, I'd love for you to like, subscribe, refer it to others, and also review it wherever you get fine podcasts for free because that really, really helps other people find it. I'm DP Knutin, your host, and he is... Dom Brightman. And I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.